Joey, how's my hair? All right, we're live. Welcome to the Freeman Podcast. For all the 50,000 listeners we got here today, I'm kidding. We're not actually doing a live thing. You can vape if you want. Um, we got a very interesting guest today, Michael Khoury. And there's a bunch of you out there that know Michael and I back in the day on Facebook used to have these, I guess you could call them political debates about our points of view on different topics or different issues. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget this. Corey Wawalski, a buddy of ours from high school, he even wrote in the comment section, because we were going back and forth, back and forth. I forget what it was. And he said, you guys, you each of you make such great points. He goes, I find myself going back and forth, back and forth on which, um, which point or which ideology I actually agree with. So um, it's a pleasure to have you on here today. And Pleasure to be here. <laughs> we, we, Mike's been asking me for a while. I've been asking him too. And um, you are a lawyer by trade. Mm-hmm. And before we get into the other stuff, I, I want to talk about that because I do have a bunch of questions about your job. Um, tell us about uh, your job as a lawyer. So I'm a criminal lawyer for legal aid. Uh, in Canada, what that signifies is essentially a public defender. That's how people would know it from movies and TV shows. So I defend people for crimes, people that can't afford to hire their own lawyers. It's based on certain salary requirements, depending on whether you're a single person, married, married with children, etc. You make a certain amount of money uh, and you qualify. So generally it's people on welfare, the large majority, and students that work part-time, Uh, And anybody that works relatively around the minimum wage will qualify. So for a single person, for example, it's the maximum you can make is around 32,000 to qualify for legal aid. And even then, you'll have a 32 and under. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's what I do for a living, defending those people when they're accused of crimes. What are most of the crimes that people are accused of? Or is it all over the place? I mean, it's all over the place. Personally... I'm in my, what is it, fifth year now or sixth year. I'm handling the, I guess, the lesser ones that I guess you could say. So Less intense. Uh, yeah. So um, DUIs, thefts, uh, breaches of conditions, uh, conjugal violence, everything from assault to assault causing bodily harm, harassment, um, you know, like, like basically anything that doesn't result in serious, serious consequences. So the thefts and the frauds under 5,000, mm. anything larger right now goes to the other courthouse. Since I'm at the municipal court, it goes to the provincial court. And then those crimes get dealt with by some of my colleagues that are a little bit more senior. Has this job given you a different perspective on life because it's like you and i you know we both grew up quite well to do we went to private high school yeah uh you grew up in a nice neighborhood i grew up in a nice neighborhood and so the types of people that you're dealing with are in terms of salary and um let's call it the neighborhoods they're going to live in it's not as high as like where we grew up has this job given you a different perspective on life because I always come up to you and, and you know the question I always ask you like when are you gonna go to the private sector yeah and like why why do you has it given you a different perspective and why do you continue to do this because you can go and probably make double triple quadruple the salary you're making right now 
I mean, there, there's a, I mean, a slight caveat to that. In, in criminal law, the, the opportunities for making those massive salaries aren't necessarily there unless you're representing companies mm. uh, like accused of tax fraud and fraud and stuff like that. White collar stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, could I make more in private practice? Potentially the economic advantages of working for legal aid is that government salary and government pension. Um, if, But I can safely say that even if you told me that I would make double, I wouldn't want to get out of legal aid, essentially because of the freedom it gives me to do the cases that I want to do and to represent the people I want to represent. So um, I'm free to take on the cases that satisfy the criteria for legal aid, meaning that if they're not sufficiently severe, that they present some kind of defense. So generally, my files are going to be more interesting than the average, and it gives me the opportunity to work with that clientele. So when you're talking about different perspective on life, there's no doubt. Um, you, when you come from a privileged background, you, your perspective on what's possible and how people live is extremely skewed. Mm. because you I think it's like a, a natural way for human beings to interpret the world around them is that your your range of what you see starts from what you have and goes up so you generally don't tend to think about what's on the other side of that range. You're focused on what you have and how you can get more and wh who has more and what that looks like. So you kind of, the people in the other category kind of fall by the wayside. So you, you don't necessarily, your mind doesn't turn to them on a daily basis. And I think that's the perspective or that's the, the aspect about it that has gotten me to to just have a different outlook, just look at things through a different lens. When I know how some people live, it one, it allows you to appreciate what you have, and two, it allows you to appreciate what people don't have. So that's my goal going into law, my goal going into criminal law especially, was it's always, for me, it was always really entertaining to to work for the underdog. I love that position. I love starting from there because it's so satisfying. I didn't know that about you. Yeah, it's so, yeah, <laughs> totally. It was a shocker. So satisfying to emerge from that. I don't want to say victorious because that's not all. That's definitely not always the case. But to start from that position, um, and you know, so with all that said, the the satisfaction that you get from helping somebody that's less fortunate and that finds themselves in a really, really difficult situation. Most of the time, and I know the prevailing stereotype is going to be that, you know, criminals get themselves into this position, but in a majority of the time, these are, these are conditions, there are conditions created that make someone, that puts someone in a position where they commit a crime. 
And can, can, can you yeah. can you offer an example of that? Um, yeah. So I mean, the classic example is the alcoholic, the drug addict, or the yeah. alcoholic that steals from the SAQ. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, obviously, they're on welfare. Um, they make six hundred dollars a month. I mean, I think we all know what rents are in the city now. Yeah. Doesn't leave them with much disposable income to satisfy both their mental and physical habit of drinking. Um, obviously, the consequences, if you're an alcoholic and you drink constantly, the consequences of stopping cold turkey are extremely severe to the point where it can cause death. So, I mean, that's a classic example. That might be a cherry-picked example, but there's so many... There's so many things people have gone through in their youth. Um, I mean, again, indigenous, our, our indigenous population in Montreal, everything that they've gone through and that hereditary predisposition to, I mean, I would predisposition, I wouldn't say, but it's more like the, the constant pressure that's been put on them from i mean from when european settlers arrived till now has created a situation that is conducive to them not succeeding and if if we knew what they experienced and if we understood how they experienced it it would come as no surprise that they make up 16 percent of our jail population through personally i would argue no fault of their own so but where, where does, like, you're, you're bringing up a lot of valid points, and I'll play devil's advocate. Please. And this is how, you know, you know my point of view. And, and I don't fully, I don't disagree with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And it's a very complicated picture. But my question is, where does accountability come into this? Because I, I agree. They start... People, for example, so um, people that come from the ghetto in the U.S. or people from Mm -hmm. around here, the indigenous population, I fully agree. The deck of cards that they're dealt is not as good of a deck as we are dealt. That is 100%. I'm not going to argue with you there. But where does accountability come into this scenario when, you know, like there are people who make it out of the ghetto. There are people that, that stop being a drug addict or who stop being an alcoholic it's a lot more difficult for them compared to other people for sure but if we all just kind of sit there and go oh well well this is the deck of cards i'm dealt with it's really shit i'm just going to be a a loser for the rest of my life a loser alcoholic i'm not going to amount to anything Mm -hmm. like if we have that attitude that's not good for them either so like where does i'll just go back to the question where does accountability uh come into the picture here um well there's always there's always accountability so when one of my clients um who's an alcoholic who's a drug addict who's you know suffered abuse at the hands of his parents who god knows the many number of things that they could have possibly gone through and then they commit a crime they're still being held accountable the nobody's advocating for exempting these individuals from punishment what we're advocating is that punishment is not going to do anything about it. If you don't address the core issues that have created the societal conditions that made these people commit a crime in the first place, you're not going to fix anything. And I'll give you the perfect example. When, and, and this example is in line with, you know, who is making the decision. So when, when laws are created, they are created by, in our country, 
parliament in the states, Congress, and the Senate. And those are generally people that have grown up in exceptional conditions, that have every yeah. opportunity to succeed, and yes. that yep. have succeeded. It would have actually been unlikely that they don't succeed based on all the privilege they've had. Unless they became like an alcoholic or drug addict, pretty Maybe, much. Yeah. <laughs> but they had no reason to. That wasn't created in their youth. They're, they didn't experience anything that would make them need to turn to those substances to cope with everyday life. Yeah. Um, these people are making laws and they're making laws and saying that, well, we should punish people when they commit crimes because that would stop me from committing a crime. There's no argument that when you have something to lose, committing a crime doesn't seem very attractive because you have something to lose. Mm -hmm. And so it's entirely legitimate for people in positions of authority who are, you know, a certain socioeconomic bracket or in a so so certain socioeconomic bracket to believe that what we call deterrence is something to strive for in the prevention of crime. The problem is, is that those are not the people that your laws are addressing. It is not the well-off that are committing crimes every day. They are not the people that you need to deter from doing so. So accountability is great, and it's one of the elements that's necessary in a, in a punishment to accomplish the ultimate goal, which is to lower crime. Mm. So yes, being accountable is great. The problem is, is that hypothetically, you don't drive your car drunk because if you do, you know that you're going to lose your driver's I license. Get a lot of trouble, you're not yeah. going to be able to come to work. You're going to get a fine that you're going to have to pay. If I had a big DUI, I can lose my company. There you go. So yeah. if you have nothing to lose, there's nothing stopping you from committing crime. So what that tells me is that yes, accountability is all well and good, but if you don't address the issues that have made it so that these people have nothing to lose, then you're never going to address the root, the, the thing that you're setting out to address with this accountability and that being to stop crime. So a sort of criminal legal question morphs into an, an economic one, a socioeconomic one, and it compels you to address that problem, the problem that created those, those circumstances in the first place, if you want to address your criminal problem. And so what, what okay, so I'll, I'll push back again. I'm going to yeah, be pushing please. back this whole entire podcast. No, <laughs> okay, so let's take an example. If we look at a place that is trying to address the root cause and there's that's open to debate as well what is the root cause of all this from my understanding and from the research that i've looked at most of the time it's drug addiction alcohol addiction um, opioids all that kind of stuff that causes people to do this you know more about it than i do but I'll, I'll just make my main point yeah if we look at a place like perfect example um and the city's crumbling right now san francisco san francisco is a place that 
took the approach of soft on crime. They decriminalized a lot of things and you see videos. I know it's sensationalized by the media, but you see this on social media as well. And this is not me watching Fox. There is uh, San Francisco. It's a war zone. A lot of businesses have left. The homelessness is out of control. And if there's no consequences to walking into a store, stealing merchandise under a thousand dollars, people are going to keep doing it. So, and they have all these programs. They have all this um, homelessness. Um, they're trying to build affordable housing for the homeless people, which again is super corrupt because there's just kickbacks going on all over the place to the politicians. So it's like what from from the gist that I'm getting from what you just said is we have to address the issue before they commit the crime. And there's definitely some some truth to that. And you, you can correct me if I'm wrong if that's not what you mean. But that's essentially like we need to have social services in place so that these people don't commit the crimes in the first place. Mm-hmm. I agree. But to what point? <clears throat> and, and so for like there was a clip the other day of, of um, uh, Pierre Polyev and the journalist asked him the exact same question. Uh, real scholar, and, yeah. <laughs> but he asked him the question. <laughs> he asked the question to him. So That's the guy. You know you're going downhill when the, you're quoting Pierre Polyev. Well, he's probably going to be our next prime minister. So, yeah, but the, God help the, us. the question was, so there was a gentleman. And he had committed something crazy. It was like 150 crimes in a year. It was insane. So they kept, and you're right. So he kept committing the crimes, wherever the hell it was. They put him in jail and he'd be out by the end of the night because it's like, this guy doesn't have anything. Keeping him in jail isn't going to solve the problem. So CBC, I think it was CBC or whatever. The journalist asked him the question, well, isn't this a reflection of social services? There's not enough social services in place. And Pierre Palyev looked at him and he basically went like, are you serious? Like, this is a guy that needs to be in jail, no matter what amount of social services or no matter what amount of programs that we throw at this guy, it's he's too far gone. He belongs in jail. And that's just the, the main point. Like, I, I guess my question is, we need to have, like, where would you put the line of the balance between law and order and then social services to actually prevent this from happening in the first place? I guess that's my okay. question. So... <laughs> Um, we'll start off by addressing this, this San Francisco example. So this is a huge right-wing media talking point. Uh, as a matter of fact, I have spoken to two people completely okay. independently before this conversation yeah. who have both brought up this example, this yeah. exact example. Yeah. And that tells me, the first thing that that tells me is to be on guard because these talking points come back very often when trying to advocate for a certain position. So jo- jo- sorry to cut you off there. Joey, could you just do me one quick favor? Can you just type in, uh, let us know, the crime rate of San Francisco over the past five years, if it's increased or decreased? If it's marginally increased, I'll agree with you there. I, from what I was seeing, and you're right, the media that I get exposed to is more on the right than on the left. So uh, I'm having an open mind to this. Mm-hmm. But from my understanding, the crime rate has increased significantly. <coughs> and you know what? Maybe it ha- we'll, we'll, we'll see what the data says. Kay. But continue. Sorry. Um, I actually have it right here. Yeah. Uh, it's declined in the last five years. Oh, okay. Like, so like, the crime rate in San Francisco has declined. Okay. So okay. And, hom- and homelessness. B- would you agree with at least give me this? Homelessness has increased significantly there? Uh, most likely, yeah. Okay. So continue. Sorry. Go what ahead. I would just caveat is that, okay. and I know you know this, is that homelessness is not a crime. No, no. And and what's extremely interesting about what just happened here, and I think, and 
I don't want to. I'm not throwing this in your face in any measure. Of you the can word. throw it. I don't want to. Because, You'll eventually throw something you, in my face. Because so you don't are worry. open-minded, and it's, yeah. it's the people that aren't open-minded that I really derive pleasure from doing this. Um, <laughs> what just happened here is an extremely interesting example of these talking points and how they are based on pure speculation. I had no idea what the crime rates in San Francisco were. And as a matter of fact, when you asked him to look it up, I actually thought they were going to be going up. Yeah. And I was preparing arguments for that point, which... As lawyers do. Yeah. <laughs> but it's... it's was, that, was that stat from CNN, Joey? Uh, no. It's a joke. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so the, 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 the crime rate in San Francisco has, yeah. in fact, declined so over the what past I, five years. So what I would say is that that's actually surprising because yeah. my theory is that the more you remove social services, the more you leave people to fend for themselves, the more crime you're going to have. The more unequal a society, the more crime you're going to have. So that stat would tend to not support my position because I think as a general rule, while maybe not necessarily in California, as a general rule, we are shifting ever since the beginning of the pandemic more and more to this right-wing ideology, this libertarian individualistic ideology that we take care of ourselves and not anybody else. And so that would in, that would tell me that it should be that it should be going up. Now, the point that I was going to make about San Francisco is that <clears throat> you can't decriminalize things immediately and then expect, without addressing the other issue, expect crime rate to go down. You're not going to crime rate's not going to go down just by simply not punishing people. It's going to go down by establishing a social safety net and then part of that process will be to decriminalize but not decriminalize by removing responsibility but decriminalize by pushing these people towards something else other than the criminal justice system that cannot produce the results that we want it to produce we want the criminal justice system to, to solve all our social ills, but that's not its function. The function of our criminal justice system is to protect society from crime. It cannot cure the problems with society that cause crime in the first place. Mm -hmm. So the criminal justice system is perfectly set up to deal with these offenders like... I don't want to say the guy you were talking about with 150 crimes, because when Pierre Poliev talks, um, I, I, I wouldn't take his hello, how are you for granted. Um, so, but individuals that are violent, individuals that are a danger to society, the criminal justice system works well. These people are separated from society because they need to be. I'm not saying yeah. that, that their initial violence was not caused by something that was exterior to themselves because it probably was. If you look at all major serial killers, 
their childhoods were were let's say not the greatest they're usually pretty dark childhoods. yeah exactly yeah. so yeah. these and and it goes back to like what i say about every individual nobody is born a criminal you're made that way i don't think anybody would argue that i don't think anybody would argue that when a baby comes out of the womb that he's automatically evil so if you start from that premise then what is allowing these people to be made into criminals it's clearly our society it's our values it's 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 what we hold dear that materialism that those the aspects of capitalism that leave people behind um and it creates these mm. these things yeah you want one? i can tell you don't like that one no, no, uh, no i'm good yeah. so you have to have if 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 children are made to be criminals you have to protect them you have to protect their parents you have to you have to make it so that these people grow up in conditions that are conducive to success and how do we do that you don't well okay so to do that requires money obviously to yeah. set up a social safety net because it's like where you're going like again sorry to cut you off here like no, no. i i agree all, all again you're, you're making good points but i feel like it's kind of you're leading i feel like you're leading us towards like a, this utopia of where everyone gets along everyone sings kumbaya it's fantastic we all live together and there's no crime everyone makes the same amount of money no one fights with each other no one's power hungry and that's what we're striving to and you know, in a perfect world, I mean, I w everyone wishes that we lived in this utopia, but so why it's not just, strive for it? Why accept? Because that's that's what why gets accept us. Accept it and say that it's human nature. His, history has shown that governments that try to strive to this utopia that it typically speaking does not end very well. What has history Wh shown about governments who don't? Uh, they've created, in my opinion, mm -hmm. they've created the best system uh, known uh, to man, which, which is ones? which is capitalism. Can you give and me capitalism, an example of a of capitalism a has society? We're we're about to clip this shit. We're about to get going. <laughs> I'm a I'm a this Zin is not her home. I I am a capitalist, and I'm an unapologetic capitalist. Of course, I am. I run a business, but capitalism today has lifted. Um, millions hundreds of millions of people out of poverty it helped lift Has millions it? of people out uh, in china it helped lift hundreds of millions of people out of poverty in india it's helped in places like rwanda ever since the industrial revolution capitalism has when when the incentives are aligned it's like Char charlie munger says i've said this quote before show me the incentives and i'll show you the outcome when the state is in charge or when the state dictates how much you're allowed to produce uh, what you're allowed to produce, what you're allowed to do, what you're allowed to think, incentives are not aligned. So when you go to a place like China, I don't remember the the leader's name. I think it was Mao Zedong was the bad guy. And then in the 1970s, someone else came in and he started implementing, you're allowed to have private property. You're allowed to do whatever you want to do. You're allowed to, as opposed to having Mao Zedong, um, the farmers, he actually ended up doing this. He thought it was a brilliant idea to get all the farmers to basically start producing steel. What ended up happening, there was a mass famine, 30 million people died. The same thing happened in Russia. The same things happened in these places. And so when the incentives are aligned, if I can make more money and I can support my family better by 
selling more grain example i'm incentivized to do it i don't want the government over me telling me what i am and what i'm not allowed to produce in terms of a product or a service and like it's i know there are sometimes debates for people saying that like capitalism hasn't lifted all these people out of poverty so my question to you is and i know that's most likely your your viewpoint so what has lifted the world out of poverty over the last uh, three decades. There, there's the the poverty rate in the world is the lowest it's ever been. That's a fact. And this is not coming from like, a, again, a right wing think tank. Joey, you can fact check that, please. Just say the poverty rate today. You'll get it from the UN. It's lower than ever. Okay. And my opinion why it's lower than ever is because of capitalistic principles, not full capitalism. And there are different variables. Free market economy. You're mm -hmm. in charge of your own destiny. Okay. I don't want, it's not the government dictating what I can and can't do in terms of working. But the government does dictate. No, they things. don't. I can start a business if I want here in Canada. Yeah, of course. That, so, that's that's what I mean by that. They're not going to be like, you're, you're, okay, you're a farmer. You're only allowed to produce this. You have to ration this and you have to make this. If I'm allowed to go, if, if there's a supply and demand, if there's, if I see an opportunity, if there's a demand in some industry, I go, huh, there's a pretty high demand there. The supply is low. I'm going to go into that market. I can make some money. That's what I mean by capitalism. Okay, so there's two, two Wait, things. Just, I just touch before on. this, yeah. what's the uh, the poverty rate in the world? The, the global poverty uh, poverty rate in the world is 18 percent. It's 1.1 billion people. 1.1 billion people. World are extreme poverty. Yeah. Uh, it has dropped by like 0.8 percent. So it has 0.8 so percent. Yeah. But it is the lowest it's ever been ever. It is the lowest. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You're one for two. <laughs> um, so two things I want to touch on. Okay. First, your your capitalism clips do they get the people going when you clip that stuff up because you get half the people like me and half the people like yeah, you I'm and then sure they just do. get all the comments but go, go um ahead. incentives so you didn't touch on what incentives so i'm assuming when you say money. incentives you money. mean money money okay so when you say when you gave that uh very intelligent sounding quote <laughs> from Charlie Munger. Yes. Um, <laughs> you're basically, you're making a sad assumption about human beings. I, I believe okay. you're, it's basically saying that if human beings aren't going to be paid for something, then they have absolutely no reason to do anything. So I agree with a system that incentivizes. I, however, I believe that human beings can be incentivized by much more than money. And I believe that when they are, they are much more, mo they are more motivated to, to, to do, to work. So, and some people are like that. Some people are not motivated by money. I agree with you, but there are a lot of people that are motivated by money. And are, so it's like, I always look at it. I'm a realist. There, I look at it for, are. for what it is. And this is what it is people in the world, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. Are there people who are more motivated towards helping others over money? Yes. Unfortunately, or unfortunately or not, depending on who you are, the people that run the world are typically speaking, the people motivated to get more money, which equates to more power. It's, 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 that's my opinion. And they're, they are the people who make the decisions. They are the people who make the rules of mm -hmm. the game. And I think overall, are there issues with 
society that we're living in today well, we're kind of, we're talking like more western culture let's say for now are there issues yes but then i can make the the same argument you're a little bit more left on the spectrum political spectrum than i am that's Can, canada right now we are so last time i checked we're pretty socialist why is the that's gap? a stretch so but on, I'll, I'll, I'll just say this yeah. this one point we're Okay, if we're not socialists, we're definitely taxed more, generally speaking, than our American counterparts. Correct. We're, we're taxed quite high, especially in Quebec, in comparison to other developed nations. That is also true. Mm -hmm. The gap between the rich and the poor in Canada has not it has increased not as much as the U.S. over the past twenty years, but it's getting bigger as well. So, the th this concept of distribution of wealth, we need to have some of it, but when and i'm just going to focus on canada right now when the machine gets so big and by machine i mean the government when all new jobs created and this is coming from td since the onset of the pandemic when all new jobs created are government jobs that does not add to productivity to our country when we have lower productivity our quality our standard of living drops and we can demonize energy we can demonize oil we can make it we can add all this red tape to new industries for businesses to start and all that kind of stuff this is not going down a good path we're not going to have enough like i my, my mind always goes to practicality it's like a practical um, way of thinking if there's no money we can't have all these social services so which goes back to my original point that i just made which is why i think capitalism is the best system it's not perfect it does leave people behind absolutely but in the aggregate it's the best for society that's my opinion and i and, and a lot of people disagree with me uh, I, the thing is, is I don't necessarily disagree. I just don't like the labels that we put on certain systems because you were talking earlier about free market, okay? Free market doesn't exist and it never has. There's no true free market. There is always regulation some places. It's to what extent is the market regulated. Yes. So capital capitalists or people that, you know, what, what would you call that. yourself, by the way? I, I wouldn't call myself anything. I would call myself an advocate for a system that works. Um, <laughs> would you say our system doesn't work? Uh, absolutely, I would say our system doesn't work. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So, in, I mean, in, you, com in comparison to what? I mean, you were talking about. And when you say our system, you're speaking about Canada, right? I mean, I'm speaking about Canada. I'm speaking about the states. I'm speaking about pretty much. Let's focus I mean, on Canada. Let, let's, because this is a very broad topic. Let's yeah. focus on Canada. So, when you yeah. say our system doesn't work, why do you say our system doesn't work in comparison to what? In comparison to countries in Africa, in comparison to Venezuela? I mean, I could tell you I've never been to these places, but, and I bet you'd give the same answer. If mm -hmm. you had the choice to live in Canada, where you live right now in Montreal, yeah. or live in some random country in the middle of Africa with no running water, I bet you'd pick Canada. Absolutely. Like, I, I think we have it pretty good here. Yeah, are we are do. there, so, so what, what's broken? So let's put it this way. Um, Let's get spicy in here, baby. We're getting spicy. You you made the comparison with, with the states, right? Yes. Um, and the states, you know, being, having inequality that's higher than Canada. It is. So the reason I would say that that's the case is because in Canada, we have, we are more left than the states. Yes. Okay. 
And that's generally the theme that you get when you start looking at these things. The more left, and I'm using the expression left because for lack of a better one, the more a country cares about its citizens, the more a country does not allow itself to be run by capitalistic interests, the better off that country is in every sphere of life. So, But you're, you're not offering a solution. You're just saying capitalism, bad. No, what, that's, what? Not, that's not what I'm saying. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm getting there in the sense that if okay, you... Sorry. So the, the goal is to reduce inequality. When equality, inequality is reduced, you have a happier population. You have a higher standard of but living. I'm, 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 I, yeah. I'm sorry. I just got to cut you off right there. Please do. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. If inequality is, is increasing, mm -hmm. but the rich are getting richer, the poor are also getting richer at a slower pace. And I'll give you an example. People today... A middle-class person lives better than the richest person in the world 200 years ago. They have running water, they have TV, they have healthcare. They have it's it's Yeah, but that's because those technologies exist now. But, but the point I would argue But you're the point wrong. I'm just the point I'm just trying to make is that everyone is moving up. The rich are just moving up at a faster rate than the poor. The poor can still live yeah, But do you know what that creates? That creates a situation in where you have two working parents with children who can't afford to buy a house whereas 50 years ago they could buy a massive one. But I don't think that my opinion on that, especially in Canada, because it is a, a shit show with regards to housing, my yeah. opinion on that is a little bit, yes, wages have not kept up, but also the pre a lot of it did, uh, due to quantitative easing, printing of money, um, a monop an oligopoly with the banks and all that kind of stuff. There's a supply issue. Yeah, but that's a... That's a but the so government is creating this problem. Why is it the government creating oligopolies? So what you're saying essentially is these companies are too big and they distort the market. Yes. It's the government's fault. Yes, because they do not allow other competitors. They do not allow foreign investors to come into the, the, so into the market. Think, you think it's the government preventing any competition to Walmart and not walmart itself the walmart and major multinational corporations get special treatment we both agree yes how do they get special treatment by lobbying correct when they lobby they're influencing policymakers. okay now let's, let's hence let's, my logic to saying okay. it's the government's fault sorry it's I not a hundred it's not a hundred percent their fault they are helping to have a different set of rules for the, the companies that have money and that make it more difficult for small and medium-sized businesses to start. Absolutely. It's the barriers to entry in many industries. Again, let's just focus on Canada. We have a lot of red tape in this country. It's very difficult to start a business. Okay, interest, rates, interest rates aside, it's just hard to start a business. So, okay. So I come up to you on the street and I say, Curtis, you see that guy on the other side of the road? I want you to go stab him in the neck <laughs> and you go stab him in the neck. Okay. Then a judge obviously finds you guilty of murder. Yeah. And you're saying that I should get off scot-free. So you're saying that these businesses that are lobbying the government. Yeah. It's not their fault. It is the government for being lobbied. 
they are i think that's a bad example they are uh, like when the, capitalism what, has created the conditions that need to exist to make it so that these businesses are powerful enough to influence policy but then you're but then but then you're prophecy. but then it's you're therefore circle. you're therefore arguing that no is this your argument that you're that therefore no companies should ever be this big and that once they hit a certain threshold example a billion dollars i'm just throwing a number out there they should be broken up is that your argument no then? that's not and see that's the capitalistic mentality that's the capitalistic reaction to things is to make things all black and white what i'm saying is is that if there is a problem with market accessibility that it's the problem of the market so you're saying we have a free market okay that was your initial premise and then when there's barriers to entry it's not the fault of the market but the fault of the government would you agree with the fact that big multinational corporations again focus on canada would you agree with the fact that they lobby government to make the barriers to entry absolutely more difficult yes. so that they can keep their market share absolutely and as opposed to spending money on research and development on innovation mm -hmm. on hiring more people on training yes they go well we have padded profits no one else no competitors can come into our industry we're going to take this money that we would otherwise spend on uh, capital expenditures on pr on, research, on things that have yeah. a positive productivity uh -huh. As opposed to spending it there, we're going to spend it on lobbying the government because it's just easier. We can pay them to make sure that. So the next political campaign you have, oh, we're going to write you a $5 million check, whatever the hell it is. Yep. Like no one disagrees with the fact that uh, the U.S., Washington, and Ottawa are captured by corporations. Yes. Now, why is that the – like – so you're but, saying but now, there's but you're, this but cancer now, invading but, our policy But you're blaming makers. this on capitalism. What – what allowed these businesses to become like this? Many different reasons. Most of the time, it could be uh, a leader or a group of people that are driven. They're whether it's power hungry, money hungry. Mm -hmm. Some people just that like is capitalism, like, but yeah, sure. But some people just like to work. It's it's a competition to them. It's like a sports league. Like I treat yeah, running no, that's, my. That's a problem of its own. But it is what it is, right? So I mean, and it's but you're blaming easy it. To so say that. but yeah. you're you're basically just arguing. Oh well, they have a lot of money, so it's capitalism's fault that they have a lot of money and that they're able to lobby government. My opinion is, don't let and it's not going to change. But this is just my opinion: is they shouldn't be allowed to influence policymakers to that extent. That's my not. argument. Well, I, I don't disagree with that argument whatsoever. That is obviously that obviously makes sense. The issue but it's not capitalism's fault. It's the policymakers' fault for taking the bribes. You're right. You're right. Okay. <laughs> so it's it's the policymakers' fault for allowing themselves to be corrupted by the corruptors. <laughs> that that's like okay, fair. I'll, I'll agree with the that. The person who plans the murder is not as guilty as the hitman, just because he's the one that pulls the trigger. It's I would argue the person that plans it is the most guilty because if not for him it would have never happened so what would you do so what would i do um basically you have to regulate these companies so that they're well first of all you got to go back to the to the roots of the whole thing the problem with our with our system starts when i mean a long time ago when we established the idea of a corporation 
corporations back in the day, and I think we've spoken about this before, corporations were special permissions that were granted by the government on an individual basis to perform a function that was essential to society. You were not allowed to, I mean, the key feature of a corporation is obviously to avoid responsibility. And I wouldn't put it that way. Well, no, it's, it, it's, 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 that's, it's, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about nowadays with what corporations have become. I'm talking about the establishment of the corporation, the limited liability but corporation. But if, if you couldn't incorporate businesses, it would not, the incentivized would not be aligned to start but a new business. If I'm, I'm, I'm if way I'm, before that. I, I agree okay, with you. I agree enough. with okay, you. Continue, I, I'm so. way before that. What okay. I'm saying is, is that initially the, the reason that a government gave you the permission to avoid liability for your decisions or for what your company did was because the goal of your company was to provide a a service that was essential to society so the first corporate the first acts of corporations that were given out by the government were to uh, cp to build the railway were to Hydro-Quebec or the Hudson Bay Company to establish dams and provide society with electricity, you had to, you had to limit their liability because what you were asking them to do was extremely risky, but it was necessary to build your society. So that was the original, that was why the corporation, this, this legal, um, this legal person, what it has become, was created in the first place. The corporation was never designed to be given out willy-nilly to everybody that asked for it, which is, which is what it is now. The idea that you need to be incentivized and you need to have your liability limited well, so if, for if, what? If, if, so that well, you I'll give can you, make, so that you can become a multi-millionaire when you're not providing. Michael, let's say Michael, your corporation Michael, is. Michael, Michael. Let me give you an example. Let me finish my whole point, if okay. you don't mind. Fair, sorry. Go ahead. Let's say you're DraftKings or FanDuel. Okay. Hope you don't have any sponsors. <laughs> um, no, and, we don't. <laughs> and your fun the function of your company is to suck out of society their hard-earned dollars by manipulating them and playing on their addictions. Now, that aside, why would I allow you to avoid liability for starting that P company? Personal liability. You are providing, yes, you are providing, you are not providing a, a, an essential need to society. As a matter of fact, not only are you not providing an essential need, you're actually harming society. Why should you be allowed to avoid personal responsibility? If you want to make billions of dollars doing something that's legal, go for it. What about alcohol companies? I would agree with the same. I would what say the same thing. Companies? I would say the same thing. But then the argument, we went through this. This I, already played out when let, we had the... the let me, oh, let me, sorry, let me, yeah, let me yeah, finish my train okay, of thought. Sorry, sorry. I keep so when you establish you, corporations for that purpose and then look at it now, you've seen, you see to what point it is the function has been skewed. So corporations now have shareholders. Back then they didn't. When the court, when the, when the corporation was thought up, when the when the the idea when it was created because it is a legal fiction, 
a corporation. It is a legal person. It is a creation of our laws. When it was thought up, it was not thought up. And just like Adam Smith's theory on capitalism, they were not thought up with what we have today in mind. So let's say like like the American Second uh, the Second Second Amendment, I, th- I believe. The gun one? Yeah. Yeah, Second Amendment. Was not thought up with drones in mind. No. It was a great idea. Yeah. I, I believe that you should be able to bear arms to defend yourself against a an oppressive government. Yeah. I don't necess- I don't inherently disagree with that idea. But the problem is is we have gotten to a point where there in that initial justification just doesn't apply anymore. And that's the that's the situation we're at for a corporation. You have shareholders in a corporation. The the legal obligation and again, this is all created. This is made up. So and I don't mean to say that it's it's fantasy. What I mean to say is that it's made up we and it this, can be this changed. Is, this is the system. Yeah. Yeah. So you have a corporation whose board of directors is uniquely and inherently responsible for maximizing profit. And as a matter of fact, it is designed to maximize profit at the expense of everybody that is not involved in the corporation. If you have a board of directors and and you propose to them, just like they did, and I'll give you a perfect example of this, with Ford, you propose to them a strategy that will increase your profits by a certain amount of money, but will harm the environment, but will pollute. They are obligated, as long as what they're doing is not illegal, to put it into practice, regardless of the harm that it causes, because they have an obligation to their shareholders to maximize profit. And if they don't, they can be sued by their shareholders for not doing it. How insane is that when you think about it? What kind of system incentivizes that type of behavior? Now, the example you get classically, and I'm not the first one to think of this, is the Ford Pinto, where the board of directors was presented with information, and it said, and we, these calculations are available, these internal documents are available. It says how much money it would cost Ford to recall all these vehicles and repair them so that there was no risk of them exploding because they were exploding. That yeah, number, didn't they explode? You would hit uh, if someone yeah like, hit you at a, you in the behind, back, I believe. It the car explode. would explode and kill the passengers. <laughs> so um, that amount was, let's say, ten grand hypothetically. Then they calculated on the other side of the equation, how much money would we have to pay out if, in the worst case scenario they all explode and kill everyone inside. Their calculation led them to the fact that it would cost them less money if they left the cars that way than if they recalled and repaired them. And the board of directors said, well, we have to go with the one that is going to be the best. No, for the no, company. no, no. That is that's no. I, it's that's a morally wrong decision. No, but and it's for a them matter to of fact. Say that, they, they are. I disagree. That with is that. an that's an extreme example. That's, Don't get me wrong. I, I completely disagree with that. And of the shareholders, most most shareholders, disagree with it. I'd those are worried. those are like uh, psychopathic people. That's where it's just money, 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 money. It's not. That's the problem. I disagree. Is that this is what 
I completely so, disagree. Yes, the consequences are people dying, and it's yes. maybe not, and that's extremely graphic, and and on the higher end and, of the and, spectrum. And the sh and the the board of directors would never be sued for if if they made the decision. I, I mor morally that's wrong. They should not have done that. If the board of directors said, "Well, guys, people are going to die," I guarantee you, the shareholders would not be suing the board of directors, because they said, you know what? It was going to cost us less money to let the people die. They would uh -huh. not be suing them for that. It's an extreme example. Okay, tobacco companies hiding the effects. How about that? I, I'm not, look, if they, there, if, there if are- Jay, If, uh, what's his, what's- uh, There are- Morris I, I tanks just, their own company I, I, because, of the, because of the effects that they discovered. You don't think that there they would are, have been sued are, by the shareholders? There are many examples of corporations doing evil things in the pursuit of profit. But, yeah, but there are just as many examples of governments doing evil things in the pursuit of power. Oh, I'm not saying and that people, governments are the, are the end-all, be-all. But it's and like you, I feel like you just keep pointing to this no, utopia that no, it's like... But my point from the beginning was that we're starting with a system that incentivizes companies to maximize profit regardless the cost. What's another system? Name me a better system then. A system where they don't do that. But then there's no money they, to, there's no well, money to start the business. If there's no pursuit of profit, if I if our company is not profitable, I don't have money to pay people I to hire say more you people. I can't be profitable. There's profitable and then there's excessive. Okay, I, I agree with you there. I agree with you there. Ford and then that would, goes Ford into... Ford would still have been profitable had they repaired the cars. I That's the difference. I agree. And then there's a whole pile and you, you can fault the system. There's capital flows. And it's basically like, where is capital, which is for which is money, mm -hmm. where is capital going to go? Capital is going to go to wherever is going to give it the best return. That's where people are going to put their money. And I agree with you. There are uh, extreme examples of corporations not behaving properly. I, I totally agree, but it's a much, much, much bigger picture than that. And if we look at the capital markets, I mean, at the end of the day, what do you think of shareholder a sh a share buyback? I, and I know your opinion on share buyback do when you? it's, it, it, but this is the thing you can't, it's very difficult to regulate. I'll give you an example, a small example in my difficult company, to regulate why I know what you're going to say and correct me if I'm wrong. If a company is doing share buybacks, because the board of directors are incentivized to, they get bonuses based on the share price as opposed to- The actual uh, performance as of the a, company. As opposed to training, capital expenditures, investing in the people and the company itself. Mm -hmm. If they're incentivized, again, show me the incentives, I'll show you the outcome. If they are incentivized and they're gonna get paid bonuses based off of the share price, that can lead to problems, yes. But I'll give you another example. So there's a pro and a con to share buybacks. <coughs> that is one of the cons. Okay. And it doesn't doesn't add anything, and you can get basically um, hostile takeovers. And people on Wall Street used to do this all the time. Carl Icahn's done this, and it's it's not right, but it's a flaw in the game. Another example, a pro. So let's say for me, if I think the game that, but no, but we let, set the rules too. But let, let's yeah. let me just finish my point. So let's say for KBD Insurance, if I go, let's say I have some money lying around, and I think we're gonna have a super profitable next five years example. Mm -hmm someone is uh, retiring and I'm going to go, hmm, do I want KBD insurance or do I want Curtis to buy these shares or do I want to sell to someone else? I think that the outlook for the company looks super healthy. I want to partake in that profit that's upcoming. I'm going to do share buybacks. Right now, Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett at Berkshire Hathaway, they're doing share buybacks because he's going, you know what? 
we have a pretty good outlook for the company moving forward. Uh, I'm not really comfortable investing. He has a big pile of cash. So he has $140 billion of cash just sitting there. What does he do with it? He's not investing in other companies. He's going to go, okay, I'll just do share buybacks. In that scenario, it's not malicious. In other scenarios, I agree with you. I don't think it's always malicious. And, and let me, I want to be clear because you gave the example of KBD. Um, whenever I'm, everything that I'm saying does not apply to small and medium sized businesses at all. Okay. What I'm, every point that I'm making applies to multinational corporations because I don't believe that, I believe that small and medium sized businesses are essential to the economy. And if that's all we had, we would be in a much better place. If we, I, I we agree. Have, there is no benefit I agree. to anybody in society except those members of that particular group to a massive corporation. There is no benefit whatsoever. Yeah. And what they'll say is, well, their savings to the consumer. Yeah, their savings to the consumer at the expense of the 12-year-old child in and, China and, making your socks. And, and in many cases, like here in Canada, like with the, take telecom, take the banks, take grocery stores, take even more and more insurance. Yeah. Life insurance, property and casualty insurance mm -hmm. is becoming an oligopoly. Take those uh, examples there. Would you say that we have savings on when it comes to our cell phone bill compared to other countries? Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. Like, and that's, and I agree with you having, there's big, a, there's actually a really interesting thing about, uh, and I look like, cause I, I came across an advertisement for Ryan Reynolds company, uh, a couple of weeks ago, the mid, gen one mid or? mobile. Oh yeah. 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 So, and I think it was on his Instagram or something. And yeah. I saw like the rates that he's offering yeah. for cell phone plans. I'm like, geez, that's interesting. And I like Ryan Reynolds. Let me look it up. <laughs> yeah. It's not available in Canada. Uh, yeah. And the CRTC doesn't let them in. So do you believe that that stems from the CRTC or does that stem from the lobbyists from Bell and Rogers I think it's, and Videotron? I think it's a bit because of I think both. You know I think it's a bit of both. And well, it's because at the, the end CRTC of the day, is run by former executives of Bell, Videotron, and there you Rogers. Go. Like it's it's yeah. the, the, the old boys club. I don't believe that government is the answer to everything because it's true that there is corruption and it's true that they rarely make decisions that are the in the best interest of the public the problem becomes is that the reason they don't make those decisions is because they're being incentivized by a system that corrupts everything that it touches and again but i but i, I keep asking you and you you haven't really given a response yet if not the system we currently have for all its flaws what type of system would you implement we don't need to label systems in what I, the system that we the best way to go about things is to have goals for a system you don't the, the and the goal right now is to maximize profit what would be yeah, your goal to maximize prosperity how would you do that taxing and establishing we pay taxes with yes of course we pay taxes but the difference is and we pay more taxes than the states we have a better social net social safety system than the states yes we have a better society than the states the sure. evidence is right there i i, I always say for uh, just a kind of detour here the u.s is the best country to live in in the world if you have money of course if you have money actually Every country in the world is the best country you, to live in if you have money. Yeah, yeah. And when you yeah. say that capitalism has benefited Rwanda or capitalism, capitalism has benefited India, okay, 
their gross national product may have gone up. I would venture to guess that's that not how I'm measuring it. That's not how I'm measuring it. And I, I this the is rich, from their rich is, have gotten richer. I, I ha yes, and the poor have also gotten richer. I have the stat right here itself from this is from the Globe and Mail. Da, 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 da. India's poverty rate dropped from 340. So this is by poverty rate, not by GDP. That's not the calculation okay. how they're doing this. The poverty rate. Yeah. I don't know the definition of what the poverty rate that's is. I think problem. it's like a dollar a day or something like that. Yeah. Well, India's poverty rate dropped from 340 million to 78 million. This was over a 20 year period. Mm -hmm. Vietnam's poverty rate, 80% were considered as squatters. Uh, excuse me. This is Singapore. In 1960, 80% were considered as squatters. They're fucking poor. Today, it's one of the richest countries in the world. So when, when yeah, but richest countries in the world as defined by GDP, as defined by GDP, exactly. but when there's more productivity, GDP is just basically how many people are there? How productive are they? If GDP yes. goes up and the GDP per capita has also gone up again, it's, so, not, it's not a perfect calculation, but the main thing, the point I'm just trying to make here is when they allowed foreign investments, when they um, allowed private ownership, when they started incentivizing people to sell products and services or make products, new products and new services. It opened up innovation. It opened up research and development. And as opposed to having and a it top opened up exploitation, it did. But is would you rather have a couple of corporations exploiting people here and there, which they do, or have a government exploiting people? Someone's going to exploit someone. I would someone. rather have none. I agree. I, so agree this, I agree, Mike. I agree, but like it just goes. I, but I it goes back. To this, I'll just say this last point. Yeah. It just goes back to like my main point. I'm not saying it's perfect. Yeah. I'm saying it's the best we got. That's all I'm trying to say. Well, we could make it slightly better. Um, we always can. Yes. And the to your last point, Joey. What do you think? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go. To your last point, um, allowing corporations to come in. I mean that these are these are clear you know, side effects of, of globalization. You take a factory from North America because the company doesn't want to pay a, a wage to a North American worker and you drop it in Vietnam, you drop it in India, you drop it in Bangladesh, you drop it in China, their GDP is going to go up because there's a new factory. However, if you look at the whole system, there's been no net gain. And as a matter of fact, there's been a net loss. Because the factory that used to be in North America, where they where the company was paying their workers our minimum wage, has just been brought to Vietnam, where they're paying a hundredth of that. So who wins? Do you see what I'm saying? It's it's the it's exactly. You're like, saying it's a zero sum game. Well, no, a zero sum game is just mathematics. I'm saying that they're making it into worse than a zero sum game. But zero sum is just if there's a winner here, there's a loser here. That's zero sum. Yeah, well, if you're talking about between the public and the company, yeah, it's a, it's a zero sum game, and the company wins all the time. So it's just like it's just like Amazon, but it's, it's still, like a state. but it benefits the consumer. If How? I have, if I can provide lower products, lower cost products and services than my competitors, the consumer wins. They have more disposable income to do other things. They have more disposable income to have a better quality of life. They have more disposable income. You know to what go, also gives go, the consumer go, more disposable income? Don't pay them a dollar a day. Yes, but people, that's just not realistic. It's Why like, is that not realistic? Why? Is oh, you're it talking not about? No, uh, excuse me. I, I misunderstood what you said. I, I was, I was uh, referring to. It's unrealistic 
to expect people to not buy shit online. That that was my point, but I misunderstood your yeah, point. No, you're saying whole, you're saying child labor. Yeah, no, but that's a, that's a whole other problem with our our culture. Our need to consume. That's a whole other conversation. I yeah. I don't. That's kind of human nature and all that psychology and all that kind I, of stuff. But it's anyways, been made but for to but, be human nature, but, yes. but for I mean, okay, so you're saying a dollar a day child labor. It's not good. I agree, but. Not the, just child labor, but but yeah. the the wages over time wages will go up even in China and this is adjusted for inflation the average wage in China for factory workers has also gone up yes. it has that is a skewing of the stats now while you're right I I agree the average has gone up yeah what I would prefer to look at is the difference in CEO pay to workers which has shot up by somewhere in the neighborhood of like three hundred percent since the 1960s it's crazy yes so and these ceos by the way they're not doing anything more as a matter of fact they're still doing nothing and completely disagree i am sure Sure. you do but and i and i'm this that's a hype that's a hyperbole like they're they're obviously doing uh, something that's i don't i don't mean they're doing nothing that's like oh it doesn't make a difference curtis go run intact tomorrow i could not run intact i understand ceo does i understand what i'm saying is is while their tasks have maybe gotten more complex, I don't believe you can justify that pay disparity with the workers that are making your company what it is. So uh, that's fair. The, but then it always goes. So what? But what's the solution? So here, I'll I'll, I'll give you an example. The solution I'll, is I'll, to change the incentive. But, but I'll give you an example for me. If I want to get. There's an EBITDA margin for insurance brokers, like the big insurance brokers. There's an EBITDA margin of what you need that? to run EBITDA, your profit margin. We'll call it that. There's a margin you need to run. That's typically speaking, the well-run brokerages are going to go anywhere from 25 to 35% profit margin. Okay. This is after paying all their salaries, everything. If I don't, and this, this is going to be a great point for you to come in after because the incentives if I don't get those margins investors will not come to me they will go to other brokers that will give them the industry standard margins that's where the money will go yeah I lose out I'm not able to hire more people I'm not able to create more jobs and it's going to go somewhere else so again this is the system I'm not saying it's perfect but like, what, what, what am I supposed to do? Again, it, my points don't apply to medium and small businesses. But why That's not? That's the problem because, because it's all these principles, all these capitalistic principles are much more valid when you're talking about a small and medium sized business, especially one that supports its workers. Do you know what I'm saying? That is the goal at the end of the day is to have a a company that's well run, that provides its workers with the basics and what they need. That is the goal. The issue is the excess and the, the point to which the companies are designed to maximize profit for the sake of maximizing profit, not to benefit necessarily anyone within the company. Mm. It's, it's just to maximize at all costs. Mm. That's the problem. Your situation, and it, 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 it also creates, giant corporations also create a disconnect 
between the people making the decisions and the consequences. It creates these both physical and legal barriers to appreciating what your decisions, the consequences of your decisions and the effect of your decisions. So a CEO like, who was it, TELUS that let go 7,000 people the other day, mm. something along those lines. I'm fairly positive that that board of directors did not have to meet with one single person that they let go. Guaranteed. Okay. If you have to let somebody go, I'm assuming you have to meet with them. Uh, or I'm assuming you will. Uh, you will, not you have to. It depends on the scenario, but if I'm not their direct... Um, uh, no, there's instances where I would not. Okay. Because I'm stepping... And I'll tell you why. You're st okay. I'm stepping... Uh, it loses... It drops the credibility of... Let's say there's a... Let's say it I goes understand. manager yeah. me. Now the, that's, that's the other like employees, a managerial... The other yeah. employees won't take that manager seriously. They're going to go, oh, Understood. you need Curtis to do Understood. the dirty work. Understood. You know I mean? Yeah. Now that's a that's kind of a throwing a different element into it. But yeah. um, you're, there's still a proximity between you and yeah. the person that you're letting go. I'll be in the same, you I'll be in the same office. <laughs> you know them. Yes. You care about them yes you know to a certain extent and it those those human aspects are completely removed when you're dealing with a giant multinational corporation none of those none of those human attributes factor in at all and it's because of the structure that's been created to maximize profit and to reduce as much as possible any cost, regardless of the consequences. And I'll, another example is like the effect that these companies have on society, like some of the big electric car makers, some or like Amazon, asking states and cities to bid on where they can build their factory and to give them as many tax breaks, basically to bid on tax breaks that they'll give them. To me, that is absolute insanity. If Amazon decides to build a factory, it's because it's going to be profitable for them to do so. It should be profitable for them to do so, regardless of any tax breaks being received. If it's not, they shouldn't be building it. So, so are you, I, I agree. All that money but, that they're, that Amazon paying zero federal income tax in the States, all that money, just the tax, just taxing of Amazon, just taxing Apple and not allowing them to avoid taxes through third party corporations in these in Ireland, the Cayman Islands, <laughs> yeah. the Isle of Man, just taxing them would literally cure world poverty. The amount of money that it would take. I don't know about that, but it, go ahead. Let's say world hunger. The amount of money that it would that it that would be obtained from charging Apple the same tax as your company pays yes would literally solve world hunger. So you are I, I agree. And the fact that we don't do that is crazy. Let's th let's seriously think about it. If we tax if Apple's profits are astronomical which they are yes and we take a little portion of that profit and we give it to the have-nots and we can solve, we can eliminate starving babies. The fact that we don't do that 
speaks volumes about our society, in my opinion. I think it's more a lot more complex than that. It but, is. But, I, but, I'm not saying but, it's not. So, so let me ask you this question. So I agree with you on this. These these multinational corporations uh, should be paying their fair share. They have the most expensive lawyers, the most expensive tax lawyers, the most expensive accountants to get around these rules. So are you therefore arguing for more regulation then or Absolutely. less regulation? More. Okay, so that's what regulation, I, that's what, taxation. That's what yeah. I thought you would say. And that's what now, you but were this, trying to steer but me. This is what happens in practice. So I always come back to what is going to actually happen in real life. What are we actually dealing with? What's going to happen is this. They're going to add more regulation. And guess what? These multinational corporations are not going to have to abide by this new regulation. And who is it going to affect small and medium sized businesses? When that you pass, a, yes, when you pass laws for corporations, it, it's not, there's no difference between the sizes, but between KBD insurance and uh, Videotron. Let we're me, both, let me chime both, in for a second. Yeah. And that is the, the brilliance <laughs> of multinational corporations is that they've convinced the government to, that they are the same. They've convinced the government and the population that they are the same as small and medium-sized businesses. But this comes back so when to this. Give me a second. Yes, sir. So when they advocate and when they lobby and when they talk to the population, they are garnering support from members of those small and medium-sized businesses. When corporations are saying this law would be bad for business, what they're saying is this law would be bad for them, but they're applying it they're rallying small and medium-sized business into that them. And what that does is, is it garners them the support of the entire business community and actually it makes it so that the people that are part of these small and medium-sized businesses are actively advocating for laws that will, that will hurt them, but that this, will help but giant this corporations, why, that will hurt them. But this is why, and I'm going to tell you why. So you're arguing for more regulation. I think less regulation, not in all scenarios, but I'm going to stick to Canada here. Okay. I oh, think yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll tell you why. I think less regulation will help small and medium sized businesses. I'll tell you why. If the policymakers pass more regulation, as we both agreed to, the big multinational corp multinational Canadian corporations are not going to have to abide by those new rules anyways. The small and medium sized businesses are going to have to abide by these new rules. If in practice, that's going to be the outcome of more regulation, I am therefore arguing that we should be deregulating. Are you because talking about taxation? Because there's different, like I'm talking about, I'm talking about, I'm talking, I'm talking about all of it. I'm talking about barriers to entry, permits, taxation for sure. Um, foreign investors, like uh, the, the, there's there's all these things that it should be easier in Canada to start a new business. And yes, it's difficult enough. I mean, the banks don't in comparison to other um, other banking systems in different countries. We lend weight the stat I gave you earlier, according to the OECD and because we didn't say this on the air, according to the OECD, Canadian banks their lending is only to 12%, 12% of the lending goes you to small why? and medium-sized businesses. But I'll just finish my point. In comparison to other countries, uh, other 37 other countries like Western developed nations, whereas the number is 44% lending to small and medium-sized businesses. Mm -hmm. So if they allowed, so I'll finish my thought. 
if deregulation, and by deregulation, I mean other competitors can come in, taxes, permits, all this kind of crap. If other competitors, other banks could come in, small business, I still can't get a loan from a fucking bank. I can't get a loan. Mm-hmm. If other competitors were to come in, I guarantee you, if there was a thousand banks in Canada, I would be able to get a loan. Yes, most likely. That is what deregulation would do for small and medium-sized businesses. Okay. So that, that, that's my, did I explain that? Yeah, clearly? you did. And I agree with you. The problem is, is that we assume the status quo, like we, we say that it's the way it is and it can't change, but that's not the case. So the reason that these banks don't lend to small and medium-sized businesses is because they don't have to. They're uh, yeah. not being forced to. I agree. But what that does, and it goes back to the fact that a corporation, especially one that's massive, should be a net benefit to society. The goal of a bank, the reason why banks became a thing was to lend money to small and medium-sized businesses. That's our system. To put them on the same playing field Yeah. by giving them loans. The, the banks are, I'll just add this in and I agree, the banks are the bedrock to yes. Canada. Yeah. Our banking system is the yeah. bedrock to how everything works. Mm-hmm. And while there's benefits to the banks refusing, you know, to lend money to something that's risky, both, you know, micro and macro on ma- micro and macro stages the it's also dev- they're also not fulfilling their initial purpose the whole yes. purpose of a bank is to stimulate the economy that's why they were created yes and they are now not doing that and instead are just profit machines but so are you arguing that having policymakers the government force them to loan more would be more effective than allowing competitors into the market. I, I don't, I don't, I, I, I'm not prepared to say one way or another, which one would be more, most effective. I think both, I think both would be the ideal and the, I'm loving this conversation yeah, by the way. So, <laughs> and, and that's a perfect way to show how the consumer suffers. Okay. Cause the consumer yeah. of a bank is a small and medium sized business. It yeah. is an individual citizen yeah. and they suffer because these banks are so big that they don't have to take risks because they're just raking in money. Yeah. And it's the same thing. So the example that I, the classic example that I always give, and, and you're a good person to talk about this. You worked at TD. Yeah, I did, uh, for six years. So, um, <laughs> And I have absolutely no loyalty towards them, as one can probably tell from this conversation. Um, the the, perf- the the prime example of of how like a giant corporation without regulations distorts the the economy is um, Amazon with this company. I believe it's called One Eight Hundred Diapers. So One Eight Hundred Diapers. Diapers dot com. I heard. Was it Diapers dot com? Yeah. Diapers dot com was a family run business owned by this guy. Yeah who wanted to leave his business to uh, his children. So it was a company that sold diapers online in large quantities. Amazon wanted to buy his business and he consistently refused because it was something that he had established and he took pride in that he wanted to leave to his kids. So what Amazon did is they started selling the same diapers for much cheaper for a loss to the point where they bankrupt his company and then purchased it in bankruptcy. Yeah, he was forced to sell, yeah. So they 
which is, by the way, completely illegal. It's What's in, it called again? Antitrust. Uh, it's no, it's, in it's violation not, it's, of it's antitrust. Not, uh, yeah. it, it's something else because car manufacturers used to do the same thing. Well, in Canada, it's called the Competition Act. That, yeah. In the States, it's called antitrust so it's legislation. It's basically like, well, I know I can lose money for four yes. years. I know you can only lose, mo- lose money for two years. I'll do this and you'll be out of the market. So, oh, I think I just unplugged something. Oh, yeah. How, how far are we at here, Joey? We're uh, hour 20. Two. What, what time is it? It's 12.20. Uh, 12.20, okay. okay. Can you so, hear yourself okay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the reason why they, they are allowed to do this um, in the States, it's actually a gray area on the law, is that, and I'm talking about the States, and it's probably the same in Canada, but I don't want to assume, is that as long as the consumer benefits, mm. they can never be charged with a breach of antitrust legislation or a breach of the Competition Act. And so, and the business, and they know this. So the problem with that is, is that once Amazon bought this company in bankruptcy, they then increased the prices, I'm not going to say exponentially, but the expression exponentially, to recuperate the loss that they had. So in the end, it did not benefit the consumer. It's just when they're analyzing whether they broke the law, at that point, it had benefited the consumer for a short period of time. So these companies basically, well, they're, they're, they're natural. And the reason Amazon did this is because it made financial sense. Because they can declare a loss, save on taxes, and then make the money back later. And that is in no way beneficial to anybody that is not associated with Amazon. And as a matter of but fact, I, it's I, detrimental. I would argue, though, in a marketplace that has multiple, not a monopolistic uh, marketplace and a marketplace that has in certain industries we do uh, an oligopolistic or monopolistic marketplace. If we don't have that, that won't happen because as soon as they start gouging the consumers, the consumer is just going to go to uh, a store that has cheaper diapers. Theoretically, you're correct that if we, that if we didn't have that, but it goes back to my same point is that if the barriers to entry are easier. That smaller business or multiple smaller businesses will always come in or most of the time it will come in. It's not good to have, I agree, like if you have a monopoly on the market because they can charge whatever the fuck they want to charge. I agree that's bad, but it just comes back to my main point. I argue for deregulation. We need a certain amount We're of regulation. We're arguing it for the same end result. Yes. We're just saying that you different ways of getting differently. There. And yes. my point is that deregulation is too dangerous because we've tried it before. As a matter of fact, in in Reagan and Nixon days, we tried that. As before the and, Great and Depression, was, and it, we tried that and it shot the country but, into the Great Depression. And the only thing that got the states out of the Great Depression was that there happened to be a war where yeah, but Reagan, you could argue with Reagan. I mean, the, the economy was booming. People were, there was, it was a very prosperous time in the United States when, um, not following when Reagan, his presidency. Yeah, but that's just the cycle of a market, Michael. I mean, it's coincidental that the cycles of the markets happen to go down after the most right wing, you know, I'm not saying, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that there are not going to be market crashes when there's deregulation. I am not saying that, but there are normal cycles to markets. They go up, they go down, interest they do. rates go up, interest rates go down. It's impossible to have a straight line. 
in any single time, uh, if someone wants to have a straight line, it's usually a government coming in going, oh, I'm going to make sure that uh, we don't grow too fast. We don't grow too little. It's basically just everyone becomes equally poor. There's been many examples yeah, of that. Yeah, but the market system that we like, have is designed to suck money out of the majority of the population. It's it's a it's a money concentration system. It's so yes, we have times where markets go up and down. The problem is <clears throat> is that market when you say markets go up and down, we're giving the impression that it all evens out in the end type thing. The problem is, yeah. is that in practice, that's not what happens. In practice, the haves benefit from markets going down. The have-nots don't. It is the haves that have money that can afford to invest when there's a crash. But this is the system. But it, what I'm saying is, is if you were, if you, if you, if you made your system more equal, you wouldn't have this, these problems. And you can look at it from a corporate, a giant corporation standpoint versus small and medium. When you say more equal, cause I, I really want to pin you down on this. And I know it's yeah. a nuanced question. When you say more equal, are you just referring to tax that everyone should pay the same tax money tax make, opportunity make, yes. make the same rules for everybody yes is correct. that when you're saying a more equal system that's yes. all you're saying yes so you're basically it, it, in another way you're saying i don't want to have the multinational corporations to get special treatment correct with the, that's all you're saying when you say equal system yeah well i mean the the thing is is so if we didn't allow multinational corporations to avoid paying taxes the entire population would benefit if you want things to stay the same then the entire population could pay virtually no tax because the amount that the entire population pays in tax probably does not equal what, as a matter of fact, I'm fairly confident in saying, does not come close to what taxing the corporations would. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. If you tax Apple... I, I have no idea what that number is. I, neither do I. But if you tax these companies at the rate that individuals pay, individual tax rates would absolutely plummet. So are you arguing for a, and um, Janet Yellen was trying to do this, they were trying to get all nations, like pretty much every country in the world, they were trying to get everyone to charge a flat tax rate. Everyone charges the same rate. I mean, Is it's, that it's, what you're arguing for? Because I, again- I don't necessarily know if that's a good idea. It's just to stop, it's just to close these loopholes that these companies use, and that requires regulation. So what about a city like Dubai where there's no, or a, a state like Florida, you love Florida. So what about a state like Florida that has no income tax? Right. What's your opinion on that? Well, see, the problem with things like that is that that's why Florida has zero social services. And you think that's bad? Well, of course. It, I mean, it's all... So if you look at the states, okay? And if you look at countries in general, the countries with the lowest tax rates tend to be the worst countries to live in. If you're poor. Correct. I'm not talking about the 10% of rich people. I'd rather address well, what the 90. About, well, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll argue with that. What Look about, at the states. What about Dubai? There's no tax there. They're very low crime rate. Yeah. High have you prosperity. Ever been? I have not. Have you seen the class 
of slaves that they have running their country in Dubai and Qatar? I have not. That's what that's what those countries are. So I just got back from Qatar a couple of months ago. And when you go there, you don't see any Qataris. You don't see them. They are, their country is run by poor migrants that come there to make slave wages. The entire service industry in Qatar is brown people. That's all you see. When you say service, like restaurants, stuff like that? Restaurants, taxis, hotel staff, security, everything. They're all Indian? It's all Bangladeshi, Pakistani, mostly those because they're Muslim. So when they make the transfer to Qatar, you know. um, But they're there. You could argue that they left their country. And most of the time when people leave their country, it's because they think there's a better opportunity somewhere else. It doesn't mean that it's the opportunity that they should have. A better opportunity than in Bangladesh is is not drinking polluted like do you see what i'm saying like it's easy to have a better opportunity it doesn't necessarily mean they're being treated fairly so what i'm saying is is these countries like qatar and dubai project this amazing situation onto the world it's literally a a country that has slavery you saw how many people died building the world cup stadiums what's the country you look up to the most Probably, that you think is the most equitable. I mean, Canada's great, but probably the the Nordic countries. And the Nordic, so let's take. Um, I mean, they have the lowest crime rates. Small populations. I think that's part small of making it. Is, yeah. Well, in okay. comparison to like the U.S., I think it makes it a little yeah, bit I mean, easier. We have to, a small population too. But it's like a very homogeneous population. Same same values, I guess you could say. It's not like a melting pot of the U.S. A lot of different values. Yeah. And right. let's not forget too in the Nordic countries. They got a hell of a lot of oil that helps finance a lot of their their, so do, uh, their so welfare do, so state. Does the U.S. Uh, it's not owned by the government; it's owned by private corporations. The the oil in I forget which country there's which I, th- I believe it's the Netherlands or maybe Norway. The state owns the oil, and that helps finance um, a lot of their social services. Well, that's that's lovely. Why don't we do that here? Uh, we do for SAQ. Yeah. We do for Hydro Quebec. Yeah. We do for I mean, SAQ, last time I checked, it produces uh, $2 billion in profit per year, just funneled back into the system. Yeah. Now, I'm sh- like, that's a laudable thing to strive for. It's, that's, why, that's why Hydro-Quebec is so successful. Hydro-Quebec supplies multiple states and multiple provinces with electricity. So what do you say, though, to other countries that own the natural resources well or the state corrupt, owns but if that's corruption it doesn't work but, clearly uh, but like my my point always comes down to at this point in time it's being used responsibly the okay. profits are being used responsibly in countries in the nordic countries the oil profits yeah my argument is until when in in, in until it until it doesn't anymore okay. so all and when they have that much when when a state or a corporation same thing it's a person at the end of the day and the motives, you could have a psychopath, you could have a power-hungry guy, you could mm-hmm. have, there's all kinds of things that could happen. And when they have that much power, it's like, I'm not arguing, I always argue for privatization because I don't trust the state as much as other people do. Okay. That's always my argument. So my counter to that would be, I would much rather risk the government being in control of something 
because at least theoretically... A, a, a Western government, not a government in Africa. Either way. Really? Okay. okay. So I would rather the government be in control of something because th at least theoretically, the goal of the government is to help the people. The corporation like that, is designed to only help the few. So... But this, the this is where, like, being we have, but I, I just want to hold on, interject. Hang on, hang on. Let me just finish okay, this sorry, point. Go it takes, it's going to take yeah, 10 seconds. No problem. The government being corrupt is something that can happen and something that does happen. Yeah. But that's not its design. The corporation is designed to be corrupt. It's designed to look for only its interests. I think this is where we have a fundamental difference in philosophy. My view of the government, it's not this in practice, but my view of the government, it's more libertarian. I think they should be there just to protect my rights. I want them to, but to leave me alone. But to protect your rights, they have to regulate. That's the whole point. That's how your rights are protected, by laws. I'm going to get in trouble. I'm not going to say this. Say it. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say it. I have a business. <laughs> but um, I was thinking, I was like trying to, how do I say this? I'm like, no, I'm not going to say that. Um, wh where do you think we agree? I think we agree that there's a problem. I think we disagree on how to fix it. And I think the reason we disagree on how to fix it is because we think the causes are maybe different or what, or we weigh some of the causes as more Im important than others in bringing about the situation we have. Hmm. I would agree. I well, think I, another one. I'm sorry. Nothing. <laughs> no, I, I think we agree a lot more than we disagree. And it's, it's just like, I agree how to, how to fix mm -hmm. um, the issue going on right now. And, there's like a dark cloud over Canada right now. And a lot of people, they're having trouble uh, affording day-to-day -day life. Debt's insane. People can't afford a home. Yep. Uh, they're not building new homes. And that's not by, that's not a lot of people just go, well, get the construction companies to build. It's the municipalities that give out the permits to build. And um, our buddy, construction buddy there, was telling me the other day to build one unit of housing, not a house, a unit, like a condo. Mm -hmm. Just in taxes, it's costing $200,000 uh, just in the tax, which is obviously passed on to the consumer. And then there's the actual labor and materials cost to build it. So all these costs. So why is that a, why is that a disincentive to the company to build if the taxes are going to be passed on to the consumer? It's for rental housing because they can't once they build it, they have to have a certain cost. And then with rent control, they can't pass on the costs to, it's not a God profitable forbid. project. God well, no, forbid. but they're not going to start a project where they're going to lose money, Michael, unless you want to do government housing and government housing. We all know how efficient they are at building because they're not building right now. Mm -hmm. So if you want to go ahead and build government housing, go ahead and do it. They're not doing it. Okay. So like they're, we're kind of just stuck in a, problem right now it's so expensive to build if they were to incentivize the developers all they would have to do is just take off the hst it's about 13 percent off the top if they could take that off they're still getting their taxes and that's a lot of tax there's an, a lot of the um i would disagree with the main premise but municipalities like how 
they're funded, generally speaking, is off property tax. That's, I think, the biggest yeah. uh, revenue generator Most for likely. municipalities. Yeah, I'm, and I'm pretty sure. Parking tickets, yeah. <laughs> and parking tickets, yeah. I'm, I'm not joking. It, it is a lot of money. If if, yeah. I, I, I don't know what the facts are. But, yeah, it, it just comes back to like the main point. There, there's... And that's another... The, the, parking tickets, and, and, and I'd, I'd like to touch on this because that's another element that... that that we do here that some other countries do differently is that regardless of how much money you make, your parking ticket is, I don't know what it's at now, like $54. Like nine, no, more. It went up. More? It's like 90 bucks downtown. Okay. So regardless of how much money you make, that's what the parking ticket costs. In other countries, like in namely like the Nordic ones, your parking tickets are based on your income. So if you make $10 million, there was like a famous photo on uh, on Facebook that was circulating that like this Swedish billionaire had a parking ticket for $26,000. <laughs> and it makes sense because if I was a billionaire and I could avoid the stress of parking for $54 or $90, yeah, I would do it, do it every People single People do it all the time. Every time. Care. Just pay, pay the 10 parking tickets once a month. Just pay 500 bucks or whatever. But that's, so why shouldn't it be as a function of your income. And if we start with that premise, why shouldn't sales tax be a function of your income? Why shouldn't it is. income tax? It is. Yes, to a certain point. Why is it that someone who makes 150 grand is taxed the same percentage that someone who makes 150 million? Oh, this is a big debate. What's your opinion on the wealth tax? Uh, that has not passed, but that they, they're floating. I don't know enough about it, but any tax on people that have excessive amounts of money is something that I support. So wealth tax is essentially on the uber wealthy. They haven't defined what uber wealthy is. They want to tax not their income, their net worth. Okay. So my whole philosophy on when you were, you, the point you made was, or you asked, the question you asked was, do you think it's theft? And I said, absolutely not. And the reason being is that these companies Okay, let's let's call a spade a spade. Okay, and I'll I'll talk about myself and I'll talk about my entourage as an example. We're not exceptional in any way whatsoever. Okay, maybe in debating. We're 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 not geniuses. We're yeah. not Albert Einstein. You know what I mean? And yet we're successful. Yeah. The reason why. Two fuck-ups were able to achieve what they've achieved is because of the advantages provided to us by the place that we're living. So let me give you an example here. Okay. Um, somebody starts, somebody, one of us, okay, with no exceptional skill starts a company in Canada and makes it big. Okay, or let's not even say starts. Let's push the example further. Let's say inherits. Okay, somebody inherits a company from the hard work that their grandparents did. Okay, and that's kind of my situation. The reason I'm in my particular situation is because my grandfather came here and started a business and was successful. If he hadn't, I would not have what I have. And to think that my grandfather came here because 
he would be able to do just that because this place would allow him to succeed when the place where he came from would not. So to say that my grandfather and his descendants who actually didn't do any work and had nothing to do with the establishing of the company do not have to pay their fair share to the society that allowed them to establish that wealth in the first place. To consider that as theft is, in my opinion, and with all due respect, completely ridiculous. So you you establish a company. But the reason I just want to chime yeah. in here. The reason I say that, let me, theft was probably not the right word when it comes to taxes. At what point is it too much? So we can take the same example, and you're making a good example. At what point you're, is their wealth too much? But then, it, if the what is enough? But the, it's 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 a subjective opinion. No, it's not. It's not. It's not a, a subjective opinion. How much is too much? When someone, when there's a large portion of society that can't make ends meet, that can't afford housing, it's not an opinion as to how much one person should have i believe it's actually immoral but for somebody the, to have so much when my, some people have so my little. logic is the following when the government comes in i'm not saying we should abolish taxes that's not what i'm saying no but when it gets excessive when the government comes in and takes the money to redistribute the wealth it is not redistributed efficiently agreed at all agreed at all agreed and do you know why it's not redistributed efficiently? Because governments, there's no incentive for them to do no, it. It's, it's not their money. because they're controlled by corporate interests. I disagree with that. I, I, I think that government, government's tax dollars. Go, gonna, I have a friend that works for the government, mm -hmm. and this is just one example. You mean me? Or? No, okay. I have. I ha, she works for the government, and I'm not trying to shit on all government workers. There are some th that work hard. I'm sure. I sincerely hope not. I'm <laughs> sitting right here. Uh, she doesn't work. She like laughs about it. She goes, I can't believe this is actually a job. She got hired over COVID. She works about an hour a day and um, there's no accountability. Her bosses right now are both on vacation and because her bosses, it's not their business. They don't care about the outcome of this person's uh, productivity. They don't care because it's not theirs. So this is why I think a little bit, It's it's a, nuanced situation i agree that the wealth is not redistributed efficiently probably i would agree um with the, with that statement you just made partly because of the rules set up for multinational corporations i would also say that just government in itself is not efficient because it's not their money there's no incentives for them to be agreed like when was the last time we had a balanced budget for it could Christ's be sake? they there's there's no doubt that they could be more efficient but at the end of the day even with their inefficiency, if we taxed Apple, we could provide everything to everyone. This is where we disagree again, because I don't think throwing more money at the at the issue is going to solve anything. Well, clearly, it's very convenient to have that position, and I'm not saying you, but it's very convenient for somebody in a multinational corporation to have that position when that position means that they get to keep billions of dollars. It's very nice. So you agree with the wealth tax? Absolutely. So I don't see why I wouldn't. But if in you've practice, inherited a company. So, okay, but, but what, if, what if this is what would happen again in practice? Yeah. 
on paper, yeah, tax them. So let's yeah. say you're worth a billion dollars. We both agree with the fact if you're worth a billion dollars, how much of that is liquid cash? Probably five million, ten million. He doesn't have a billion dollars cash. No, of right? course not. It's okay. based in the value of the company. Most of the time, it's based in the company. Yeah. So if you if you get taxed, let's just say ten percent every single year on a wealth tax, are you saying that we're gonna he's gonna have to liquidate ten percent of his shares every single year just in order to pay that tax? How are they going to value the company? Not I'm not talking about publicly traded stocks. That's easy. What about a company like myself? There's no who's, doubt that there's problems. Who's going to be the arbiter to determine the value of that company? There's so many holes. Well, you're asking questions that are so economically complicated to someone that doesn't have the ability to answer them. But what I <laughs> what I'm saying is. And I, I can easily see the problems with something like that. Yes. And so I'm saying I don't necessarily agree with this wealth tax. I agree with the concept of taxing people that are worth more money than they'll ever need, than their children will ever need, than eight generations down will ever need at the expense of the rest of the population. I'm not in a position where I would that I think I deserve more in that I think those tax dollars should be kicked down to me. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that especially it's skewed. Like when you start your own company and you build it up from the ground up and, and it's there, it exists because you made it and nobody else and nobody else had the ability to do it. Then I could see where you could get into territory where you're like, well, why should I pay more than someone else? Hmm. I worked harder than them. Mm -hmm. And that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> Nobody creates a business from the ground up anymore because it's impossible. I, the tech. Fine. Maybe, maybe not Some. so much anymore, but tech, Some. tech 20 years ago. Some, yeah. Um, what we have now is just people holding on to crazy wealth. And not only is that damaging directly because we don't have that money in the government, it's damaging indirectly as well, and I'll explain how. First, let's say, and I, I understand your concept of inefficiency, and you're, you're totally right. However, you tax Apple $10 billion and only a billion gets given to the population and the rest gets lost in government bureaucracy, I'd rather that than Apple have it, to be completely honest. And the so that's the direct effect. The indirect effect, and now I think I've lost my train of thought. No, <laughs> the indirect effect comes down to it is economically inefficient for billionaires to exist. And the CEO, I don't know if he's still the CEO, I don't think he is, but one of the previous CEOs of Starbucks put it perfectly. Our whole- uh, Howard, our, Howard Schultz. Yeah. yeah. Our whole economy is based on consuming. Yeah. If we don't consume, the thing falls apart. Yes. So what he, his point was, I have $10 million. I own- five pairs of jeans. Why? Because I don't need any more pairs of jeans. I physically won't be able to wear more pairs of jeans. So the money that I don't spend on having 7,000 pairs of jeans that I can afford just goes into stock and just sits there. Whereas if I was taxed, and the, now I'm not attributing these comments to him, but if he were taxed more and that wealth was in different ways redistributed, whether it be in the form of social services, childcare, things that allowed the population to make more money, all of those people with his $10 million that have been taken in tax 
would each buy one pair of jeans. So that would be 10 million pairs of jeans instead of five. That is beneficial to the economy because it's consumption and it moves the economy along. So it comes back to the debate that all capitalists like to bring up is that the concept of trickle-down economics, which has been proven time after time to be a complete fallacy and fabrication to suit their interests. Trickle-down economics does not work. You give a company more money, they do not give all that money back to their workers. It does not happen. As a matter of fact, they are probably just as inefficient as the government when you give them money. No, no, they're not. Yes, they, no, I, not. oh, I, I'm sure no, they are. No, a stock buybacks is a perfect example of that. I gave my uh, opinion on stock buybacks yeah. where there's pros and there's cons. Do you think, I have a lot of thoughts going through my head. Do you think there are some, there are people that will always excel no matter, you could put these types of people on an island and they'll just build shit. Like there are some very talented people. Yes. They're a minority. Do you think that no matter what you throw at a certain level of the population in terms of social services, in terms of money, in terms of uh, checks, or oh, you need a thousand dollars, this uh, universal basic income, whatever you want to call it. Do you think there's a certain percentage of the population that no matter what you throw at these people to try and help them, they will never pull themselves out of poverty. I think there is no matter okay. what. So, and I know that's a pretty strong statement and I'm not trying to shit on these people. I, I'm, I'm let's exclude the people with uh, the drug addicts, the alcoholics. That is, you're I'm, excluding a large amount. I know, of people, I know. Right. But like, what I'm saying is like, it's gonna be a hot take. There are losers in society. Okay. There are. And no matter what you throw at these people, they'll always be a loser. That's my point. Mm -hmm. I would argue, okay, and I accept your point. I would argue that the majority of people that would benefit from being provided with money and opportunity is much greater than the losers. And I'm okay with some losers getting money if it benefits the rest and the majority. So do you think in Canada, when people are struggling to make ends meet, when most people, the average person is living paycheck to paycheck, that we should be taxed even more? Or are you saying that? No, no I don't think we should be taxing more. I, I'm, You're I saying think just the multinational, the big correct. corporations should be taxed more. Because they're not taxed. That's your that's, whole, that's, that's, the, that's like the yeah. premise, the argument. Of I today. don't think that small and medium sized businesses should be taxed more. As a matter of fact, I think they should be taxed less. And I think individual people should be taxed less. I think income tax should be lower and it can be lower. It can't be if we don't increase corporate tax multinational corporate tax because then we don't have the money to sustain our society because we can't like let's actually try and solve this it's not gonna it's a very complicated situation we're obviously not going to change the system as what it is today that's that's not going to happen over the next five to ten years or probably in our lifetime how the hell do we fix this then because i i know you're just saying well, well just tax them but why aren't they doing that already how the hell does this because the, get fixed. because corporations are more powerful than the government because corporations what they've done is they've they've convinced society to act against their own interests 
just like I was saying before, corporations have convinced. But you're arguing to change the system, which is not realistic. How no, do we fix the problem we have today? It's not. It is. If if people understood. You want to tear it down and, re and restart. So you don't think it's realistic to believe that the majority of our population would support taxing Apple, for which they have absolutely no affiliation, the majority, to be able to address many social Ills. I agree. I think no. I agree. But what I'm saying is, and we live in a democracy. Therefore, but they if just, most people support it. The politicians just won't do it. How do we get them to tax Apple? How do we get them to tax Amazon? It's a system that 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 things have to be done at the same time. So when you start doing those things, you are Which diminish. Things? When you start regulating these companies and you start taxing these companies, what you're also doing is you're removing their power at the same time. So it's a double of taxing them is one effect. The second effect is that you're decreasing their power. You're decreasing their their ability to hold the government hostage. Yeah, their influence. Exactly. Yeah. So when a corporation can convince a population, it's kind of like uh, I'll relate. It's kind of like the Republicans do in the states. Okay, the Republicans convince. But not the Democrats. No. Well, the Democrats. The Democrats in the you. states are a right-wing party. They are. Okay. If you look at the spectrum of right versus left, where the Democrats fall is left of the Republicans. Yes. That's like saying Paul Bernardo is better than Ted Bundy. <laughs> Technically, yes. Um, but what they do is they convince the population. Their, their greatest power is convincing the population to act against their best interests. So... They convince the population. Republicans are probably, for a large majority, poor. They're in states that are poor, and yet they've convinced them to side with Republicans who cut corporate taxes and don't forgive student loan debt. How have they done that when the majority of Republicans voters and the majority of voters in general but they the, the, would the, benefit. The student debt part is because the guarantee, the government guarantees those loans. That's why they don't let you declare bank. You have to keep it on your file. It's because the government has the correct. Has but the student there. debt companies were predatory. So why is it the government uh, that has to take the fall? Well, the government created that problem. The government created that problem because the loans were guaranteed. So if you have a loan that's guaranteed, you're going to loan as much as you can. Okay. It's guaranteed by the government. So, so what do you think about corporate bailouts? I think they're terrible. Okay. I think they're stupid. Are they capitalistic? No. They're not. They're not. Okay. And, and why do we then why do we do them? Um, it looks good on the pa on the surface. It looks good on paper when a politician, you can take the example of Bombardier, take the example of Air Canada, when these companies should be going bankrupt because they're not You think it looks good as a politician? When they bail out a when well, they bail out a company, tr tr Trudeau, how I don't he, think it's I don't think it looks good well, to the I, rest of you society. And I, uh, you and I can see through the fog, but what I'm saying is most people, Trudeau, when he made the announcement, we bailed out Bombardier, whatever the amount was, and then the board of directors took big fat uh, bonuses. He spun it as, look how many jobs we just saved. And in the short term, he's right. He did save a lot of jobs in the short term. But what has to happen, you have to let these companies go bankrupt. It's not like all of the assets are just going to disappear. What's going to happen is when these types of companies go bankrupt, because they're not being run properly, mm -hmm. and because the government gives a backdrop, they should go bankrupt. Are people going to lose jobs? Yes. But what's going to happen, another company from somewhere else, whether it, with a healthy balance sheet, is going to come in, 
buy the assets 10 cents on the dollar or whatever it is, and they're gonna start up all over again and the airline is gonna be just fine within a year or two years. That's what's gonna happen. And these governments don't let capitalism take its natural course. It looks good on paper to save 30,000 jobs. And that's the problem with capitalism. But that's not is capitalism, that capitalism I disagree with no, you there. This, this is the government sticking their nose in and stopping capitalism from taking its natural course. So, okay. So in basically in our society now, we have a capitalistic system for the poor and socialism for the rich. So whenever the rich need a bailout, they get it. Whenever poor people do. And I'm, I'm not advocating for that. I'm but, saying they shouldn't. But, that, but what I'm saying is, is that capitalism doesn't actually exist in the form that people believe it does. And like we were talking about before, there's always regulation. And there's always government intervention. And if there isn't, the system will collapse in 10 seconds. So, and a perfect example of it is not bailing out these banks and these insurance companies that committed which, fraud which banks uh oh, 2008 well, investment banks yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly yeah so yeah, it's gross exactly it's gross. so that but but i'll i'll just play devil's advocate and i'm not saying i don't know as much there's a lot of shit going on in these rooms what would have been the alternative for that and i'm not so sure that it would have been better in the long run i think it would have been in the long run probably yes yeah. but in the in the extreme short term like dude that was the system the system was about to break yeah we've allowed it to become like that that's the problem is that we, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy but i think it's, created it's, it's, just, a it's, system. Re it's really easy to kind of like say i wouldn't have done that but when push comes oh, to no, shove no, no, no. and I, it's look, like there, there's a joke i'll just i'm I'll not just, pretending i'm a politician i would have made yeah. a different decision but it's like the um they asked the uh it was a joke. So someone goes up to him, like central bankers with interest rates and all this kind of stuff. They go, uh, what would you do uh, if you became the central banker, uh, the leader of the Fed? Uh, and uh, Chair Powell goes on my first day, I'd resign. Because <laughs> it's just like they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. What the fuck do they do? So anyways, the point I'm just trying to make is for that particular scenario, the system was about to break. I don't know what I would have done, and I'm not nearly smart enough to understand what I should have done. Yeah, but nobody what I'm saying is, is that's part of the problem. But what problem. I'm saying is, for an airline or a uh, airplane manufacturer like Bombardier, there's plenty of other manufacturers out there. For a company like that to be bailed out is utterly ridiculous. Let the company go bankrupt. Another company is going to come in, buy the assets uh, at a major discount, and they're going to start up, and it's going to be a healthy balance sheet. And over the long run. It's going to be better. It's going to benefit the consumer because it's going to be less expensive. When these bailouts are given to these uh, companies that are not running efficiently, and giving them a bailout is just a band-aid. It doesn't fix anything. They're going to need another bailout down the yeah. line. And basically, where does this money come from? It's taxpayer dollars but to protect the jobs, and then these guys take big bonuses. I, I'm on your side. Is I, that capitalism doesn't actually exist in practice? So all these companies, <clears throat> and you can you can start from the bottom and name virtually all of them. They were all created by the system that has been put in place by a government. So sometimes more directly than others. So hypothetically, all these pharma companies in the States, they have what they have because of the rest of society and the government. So insulin developed by professors at the u of t sold to two companies for the patent sold to two companies for a dollar and now those companies are charging 
astronomical amounts for something they didn't create. The COVID vaccine They're trying to pass, developed uh, by the government with government grants, bought by the government I know. and profit. They, Why is a company... And when you're talking about inefficiency, that is the most extreme case of inefficiency I've ever seen. The government pays to develop something. The government is the only customer. Yeah. And the only people who lose money are the taxpayers. And the only people who make money is the company that didn't do anything to develop that thing in the yeah. first place. That is not capitalism. I, I agree. That's, that I is, agree. But it goes back to like my main point. If we were allowed... if policymakers and this isn't going to happen but if they would get out of the way if somehow in this utopia world where lobbying was illegal and capitalism was allowed that's to not take a utopia world it should be illegal and I it's agree. illegal in a lot I of places i agree i agree but it isn't but so what i'm saying capitalism the idea of capitalism itself this isn't what's happening right now this is not capitalism correct and i agree it's capitalism for the poor. It's socialism for the rich because whenever they make a bad decision, they're gambling with taxpayer dollars. When yeah. you get to a certain size, they know that, well, what the fuck do I care? Let's make this risky investment. Yeah. If I make the right decision, I make 50%. If I lose, I'll get bailed out. So Think about why how wouldn't far $700 billion could have gone. <laughs> I, I agree. It's, 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 it's chilling to think that the only... For, so what's funny is... Think about how far $700 billion Wait, what time could have gone. It's, uh, 104. Okay, yeah. we got plenty of time. No problem. Do we? Uh, okay. Well, I, I have golf at 2.30. Okay. <laughs> think about how far that money could have gone. And then also think about... So that money could have been given to the poor. Let's just say directly. Obviously, that's, that's an exaggeration. And the reason that that money was needed was because the poor were exploited. Do you, like, do you see what I'm saying? So they're losing out to these companies indirectly through m free markets. And then when it all goes to hell, they don't get the benefit the companies do. It's Again, it's that concept of trickle-down economics. Let's not give it to the people that actually need it. Let's give it to these companies so they can take their share and then hypothetically maybe benefit the population, which doesn't happen. And, and, and this started, I was listening to this guy, um, I forget his name, but he was talking about this and this relationship between corporation and government started, I want to say it was like 50 years ago where corporations started to get really, really, really powerful because they were becoming, as opposed to fighting legislators, and saying, get out of my business. Just like, stop telling me what to do. Leave me the fuck alone. They say, huh, you know what? Let's partner up yeah. with them. And since that, over the past 40, 50, 60 years, corporate America and corporate Canada, they have captured uh, yes. Washington. Yes. And they have captured Ottawa. Mm -hmm. It's completely, uh, it, it's crazy. It's actually crazy. More so in the States because they don't yes. have the laws that protect like we do here. So they but have you can the, make the argument it's the same thing. Well, I mean, here. If it's just it's it's the same thing. Maybe just not as bad. Because like, but like like you don't think uh, the CEO of a big bank can't make a call oh, to, no, to, no, no. to the decision maker? Gar guaranteed. You know I mean? I'm just saying that big corporations in the states have infiltrated politics to a certain level and yes. here to a certain level. Yes. Um, the states has obviously there are other problems. Their Supreme Court has been infiltrated, which <laughs> luckily I don't believe ours has. Okay. Um, 
and I mean, you just look like what's coming out in the news about Clarence Thomas and stuff like that. It's just, it's just absolutely Who's ridiculous. Clarence Thomas? I don't know. The that. Supreme Court justice that's been like getting paid vacations from multinational corporation CEOs and stuff. And who ends up ruling on, on the cases. Supreme Court? Yeah. And who oh, ends no. up ruling on cases that those companies are involved with. And then does And it's declare. so crazy. And he, has a, it's, he it's, has a wife who tried to start an insurrection. It's, it's, um, it's out in the open, too. Like, they yeah, don't even yeah. try and hide it. Like, uh, they don't. what's the, um, what's the Democrat, the, uh, from San Francisco, the old lady there, uh, what the fuck's her name? Democrat. Pelosi? Pelosi. There's, um, like a Twitter account, basically just follow her stock picks. Her stock picks, uh, she'll pass, she'll buy the stock and then a piece of legislation will pass. All the time. All government. And let's, they, but let's, they don't even hide it. I don't want to pick on Democrats. It's all. I agree, but they don't even hide it. No, it's everywhere. They all like how, how benefit. If you look at the people that, that in the, especially in 2008, I remember seeing something. It was like a list of people that were invested in these companies. Yeah. They all got out before <laughs> yeah. the market crashed. Yeah. And no, everyone's like, yeah, all right. Like, if any individual person did that, they'd be in jail for 30 yeah. years. Yeah. It's crazy. So It's insider trading. Yes, it is. Well, lit yeah, literally, insider And the they don't definition. even have to answer the question. No. Like, so they'll be like, I don't, know, I don't know what you're talking about. Because like, their debates are protected in the yeah. Senate or the whatever. And like, they, 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 they press her and they go, how is it that whatever salary is, 180 or 200 grand a year, yeah. or whatever the fuck and it you is, have and you're worth $100 million, million dollars, whatever yeah. the hell it is. Like, yeah. how is that? You know why? It's because <laughs> they're paid by these companies to do speaking engagements at $10 million a pop. Yeah. And it's so out in the open. Yeah. And then we wonder why our government doesn't work. The, pr the, the concept of government is good and that's what i'm trying to say is that if it works as designed it's good whereas if a corporation works as designed it's not good do you see what i'm saying a corporation works as yeah. designed i i, has I, I understand your points but I, I i just i just don't agree with it like i i'm much more again we're, we're like beating a dead horse but we i we understand each other you would much rather trust the institution of government Whereas I would much at rather least they pretend to have our interests. At I would much rather trust the institution of a corporation because it's out in the open. It's di it's direct. It's hey, I just want to make money off you. I want to give you a product or service. You don't have to buy it. The, the corporation can't force you to do anything. So the corruption Whereas, is out in the open. So it's good. I, I'm I'm not disagreeing with that. But okay. what I'm saying is a, a government can force me to do things that against my will that I don't necessarily want to do. A corporation cannot do that directly. Maybe indirectly through legislation. But what I'm saying is this is just oh, why. Oh yes, I can. All I'm trying to say is I disagree with you. But I'm trying to, in my opinion, the lesser of two evils is the institution of the corporation. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, the only okay. point I'm trying to make. Yeah, we're, we're going to have to agree to disagree on that. That's on fair. that aspect. I think this is a good point to leave, Mike. Yeah. Do you agree? Yeah, let's do it. I'm starting to lose my uh, Yeah, my edge. no problem. So, <laughs> my edge. Oof. Guys, this is the Freemium Podcast. We had Mike Khoury. Thanks for having me. Yeah, hopefully uh, you guys enjoyed, today, enjoyed today's conversation. We touched on some spicy topics. And uh, if you like everything, feel free to subscribe. Thanks, Mike. Thank you.